Hey, and welcome to Between Beans, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything, always accompanied by a good cup of coffee. I'm your host, Austin, and today we have Dallas joining us on the show. We had a great conversation talking about COVID-19, because how could we not? What we've been doing during the quarantine, what working for Skip the Dishes is like, coffee, and the future of what physical church gatherings may look like. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Do you have your Do you have your coffee for between beans? I... <laughs> uh, you know what happened? I had my coffee at nine fifty. It's all gone now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. fine. But it's um, gone. So it uh, it's COVID nineteen, right? It's we've been into it for a couple months now, um, and I'm very curious as to how you have been spending your time. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear. Hmm. Um, let's see at the, okay. Before this happened, mm-hmm. I stopped playing video games. Cause I was like, Oh, there's other stuff I want to do. I started a reading challenge. I was reading a lot. Mm. And then pretty much as soon as school got canceled, I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to entertain myself forever without video <laughs> games. So might as well go back. <laughs> um, which I mean, wasn't great for the first month, but I was still writing finals and stuff. Still technically in school. Um, but then all my other stuff kind of like stopped reading and stuff like that. So now... I only do in the evenings. In the evening video games? Yeah. So during the day, I don't. Now, I just have one quick question. Um, Mm -hmm. As we were logging on to do this podcast, I think your exact words were, sorry, I was just playing video games. That doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an internet browser game to pass the time waiting for you. (laughs) Okay. Um, So just evenings. I mean, now it's a little, I'm a little less strict about it because I'm working. So Mm. if I have to work in the evenings, then yeah, come on, it's fine during the day. (laughs) But but yeah, no, I'm back to reading a good amount of stuff. I have like a daily list of stuff that I try to get done every day, Mm. which includes going for a short run. Ooh. I know, right? (laughs) Have you actually done it? Um, I mean, I missed a couple days last week. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've missed day. a couple days since starting it. I've missed every day like since starting five it. Five <laughs> out of seven. Oh, and okay. I started earlier in the week before. Nice. Which has been nice. I kind of like, I try to do it in the morning and then get back and like do it before my shower so mm. that I have no excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's been good. The time goes by very fast. Really? Like the days? Yeah. Yeah, I find. I'm really enjoying it. Just kind of vacation. I guess when you were working on a degree, right, and you've been going hard on it for years now, um, it probably is nice to just have that summer vacation type of vibe, eh? Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, like, I know we'll get into it, but I recently started working for Skip the Dishes. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at the beginning, I felt like I couldn't enjoy it as a break because 
I had no money and I was running out of money and needed to pay back the debt that I have. So I was like, oh, this isn't good. You know, I couldn't relax. Mm -hmm. But now that I am bringing in income and there is the student benefit, it's like, okay, yeah, now I can enjoy the time a little more. Yeah, I was curious to ask you about that. Are you, are you going to be applying for the student benefit because now you're working? I'll be applying for it for May because mm -hmm. I'll make uh, for sure less than $1,000 for the month of May. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a good question and it's a moral question. So feel free to give your advice. Mm. I, you get the student benefit if you make less than a thousand dollars in the month with skip the dishes. I could, if it goes as the last couple of days have gone for the rest of the month, mm -hmm. it will probably be around 1,300 to 1,400. Mm. So do I not take shifts to keep it under $1,000 and get another $1,000, <laughs> 250 mm. Or do I just work as much as I can? If it's over, it's over. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a weird one. I, I don't know what the right answer would be. Like I, I would just immediately think... Sarah and I have talked about this a lot. Um, about like how... So... I used to work uh, part-time at Nike mm -hmm. and I, I know some other people that are um, like typically the people that work at those jobs are younger, like teenagers um, in maybe their first year of university, right? Like they're, they're typically high school students and all these guys got laid off guys and girls yeah. uh, got laid off, but they're making two grand a month, which is way mm -hmm. more than they normally would have. So I was talking with uh, one lady and she was telling me, um, that she like, she works full time. She's getting two grand a month because she got laid off. Her son, who worked at a movie theater, um, is also getting two grand a month, <laughs> and he was working part time. She's like, "What is this?" Right? Yeah, yeah. So I have a friend who like kept on at staff at uh, one of his places, but rarely worked. Like mm. just like maybe <laughs> once a week, a couple hours. It's like, oh wow, this is great. I'm getting way more than I would have made. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it it's interesting. Like I know for some people that two grand is actually less than what they would normally be making. Um, but like for <laughs> the guy in the movie theater, he's making bank, right? And in yeah. your your situation, I know the student benefit plan is a little different. I think it's fifteen hundred, isn't it? Or is it a thousand? Like twelve fifty. Yeah. Um I, I don't know. Like if you qualify for it, I would apply. Um I probably, yeah, I feel like it is a moral thing of like, don't not work if you can work. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think there's like a little gap. If I'm going to make $50 more by taking on one extra shift mm -hmm. and then unlike disqualify myself from the benefit that month, mm -hmm. like they pick $1,000 because they know $1,000 isn't really going to be enough for the students. So if you make up to that, you can still collect it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, so if I, I make a thousand dollars, 50, it's not like that's all of a sudden, Oh, that $50 is going to, you know, carry me through for the next semester. So yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, doing it like that because like <laughs> nobody can expect somebody to live off of really a thousand dollars a month, right? Like you ask anybody how much rent is and Sarah and I are paying 1200. Boom. You're, yeah. you're dead in the water if you don't apply. Uh, Sarah and I were actually able to qualify for 
um, the rental um, part of it. So mm. I, I can't remember what it is. If your salary is, if it's like more than 30% of your salary is going to rent, you qualify. It's like, sweet. We're always okay, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it didn't change anything. 30. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we applied for that and I can't remember all the details, but I know that we got approved. So like understanding the system a bit and being able to apply for it. And I don't feel that bad because it's going to get taxed back right mm -hmm. over the course of time. So I know that we'll end up paying it back. Um, so in that case, as long as you're, you still try to create a uh, financial foundation for yourself to fall back on after all this, I don't think there's anything wrong. Cause like taxes will go up a bit, which may hurt you, but if you're wise about it, you should be fine. Yeah. I'd rather take, take it over the long term. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if you could like, if it, ideally it would be a need-based benefit mm -hmm. but then the amount of resources that would go into like analyzing all that would cost a lot more and would take way more time and people wouldn't have had the money in the first months when they needed it mm -hmm. but i don't i don't think a blunt 2000 no matter what you're doing how much you worked before would be the best mm-hmm yeah, I, I agree. And I understand like the panic of them wanting to get the money out there. The nice thing mm -hmm. is, is like they also back pay it. So um, the rent thing, for example, is back paid until, I don't know, like March 16th or something. And oh, really? Yeah. So Sarah and I just got approved and you get $300 a month. So they're just going to drop 900 bucks into our account. Um, cool. it, it actually goes to the landlord. Um but the landlord, I think, will distribute. He'll either knock off mm. our rent for next month, or he'll just send us the nine hundred because we've already paid rent for those months, right? Like that's right. time in the yeah. past. Or the landlord will just say, "Screw you, I get the oh, months." I don't know. I didn't receive anything in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt that'll happen. Um, okay, so you've been playing video games. You've been working. You've been going for runs. Um, mm -hmm. before we talk Drinking about coffee oh, as yeah. a full event to itself, <laughs> especially if you're doing like, are you still doing the AeroPress? Yes. French press. AeroPress. AeroPress. Like I'm, I do probably three, uh, rounds of Chemex coffee every day. And like, I have my, that's like a full pot. No, no, no. Because you can't. <laughs> You, um, no, you, you measure it. So I do. I drink about nine cups of coffee every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I do 22 grams of coffee because I got a scale and everything now, okay. um, which has been sweet. But yeah, tw I, I do 22 grams of coffee. That equals out to whatever in water. Um, and it's it fills one mug. But I use my Chemex to make it instead of my AeroPress. 22 grams for one mug? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's I, pour over, right? That's pour over, which would be yeah, different than AeroPress. Pour over takes a lot. Mm -hmm. My dad makes pour over sometimes, and he uses like 40-some grams when he makes two cups. What do you do for AeroPress? 14, one cup. Really? How long do you let it brew for? Minute 30. Minute 30, okay. So I we've lost everybody that isn't into coffee <laughs> that's <Yeah>. true <laughs> so we started with taxes and yeah so anyways um 
I got this. So I know a guy. He does. He has a coffee business here in Vancouver, and he does weddings and stuff. And it's all about pour over coffee and whatnot. And I got mm. a recipe from him for an AeroPress, and he. I think it's thirty five grams of coffee in the AeroPress, but like, wow. it's it it starts inverted. It's man, it's intense. It's good coffee, but like oh. you don't let it brew very long. You only do a little bit of water in the 35 grams, so it's like a really strong dose, but then you water it down. But like Oh, it, interesting. Yeah, it's the recipe that won the 2018 AeroPress World Championships. Um, <laughs> For everyone's like, "Wait, there are world championships for making AeroPress coffee?" Yeah, there are. I watched one on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, get uh get educated people. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, so uh I tried it. It's way too much coffee to stick with using 35 grams of beans every yeah, that's time. Expensive. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also I use a hand grinder. So to do 22 grams oh, is just yeah. <laughs> taking forever just That's true. Just oh my gosh. But yeah. So, I'll just quickly say what I've been up to. Coffee as well been mm-hmm. doing school uh working on my uh i never know what to call it um because like i don't want to be that person that's like yeah i'm working on a master's like but <laughs> i i i am i guess i think i think you're good <laughs> i don't know i feel like i i feel like it's just weird to talk about i don't want people to think that um i'm flaunting it or anything because my nothing, master's there, is working on me <laughs> yeah i guess there's nothing impressive of, uh with working on a master's it's when you finish the master's that you can <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um sarah and i have been going for lots of walks we're doing a step mm-hmm. challenge with my family and i think i'm in the lead right now um which has been kind of fun just monitoring our steps how um, many do you go per day i try to per hit eight. at least ten thousand. and day one me and my sister basically tied and i we destroyed our parents and i'm like sweet (laughs) so there's nothing to stress about there um and then the next like today my dad posted fifteen thousand steps i'm like okay like this is this is gonna be a little bit more of a challenge i see like you're stepping it up so he's just laying in bed shaking his phone up and down for sure (laughs) yeah we all have our we all have our fitbits except me i have my samsung galaxy watch active so i see yeah um but yeah they're just shaking their wrists is what they're really doing (laughs) i would Um, really like that uh sorry but the watch has a heart rate monitor right it has a heart rate monitor uh i found that the fitbit one i think might be a little more active or uh sorry a little more accurate um but i don't know for sure i just found that like fitbit would say your average is 54 beats per minute uh the samsung one I find is often like your average uh, heart rate is 54 to 73. I'm like, so what is it? (laughs) That's not how averages work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then also there's like severe dips sometimes. So the heart rate will go to um, down to like 32. And I'm like, well, I know that's not right. Like, am I dying? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it must have, maybe it just missed one or something. Yeah, so. That's weird. Yeah, Um. but it's it's definitely fun to use. And I like that it tracks heart rate, uh, steps. What I find interesting is, so I wanted to track sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll mm-hmm. tell you 
if you're waking up in the middle of the night, um, cause sometimes you don't even know, right? It's just yeah. like, if you've been restless and what I found is like, I get a C where I'm waking up and not. I'm like, Oh cool. Like now what do I do with this information? <laughs> right? Like knowing how much I'm sleeping, try, try sleeping through it next time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Like <laughs> you can't do anything about it. Yeah, that's true. It's just like, I, sorry, I ahead. tried tracking sleep for a while. Uh, but I got one of those apps that listens to you while you sleep. To like, it listens to your breathing and sees how regular it is, to see how deep it is, and then mm. plans to wake you up when you need it. But I don't know. I didn't like that. I because you, you have to leave your phone on the entire night. Mm. Not the end of the world, but I I don't know. I got rid of it. Yeah. Well, what I've actually found is so you have to wear it on your wrist, right? Um, and that's actually annoying because um the heart rate monitor you can often like i don't know how you sleep but i sleep on my stomach with my arms kind of above my head or whatever um and yeah it always sounds weird when you're describing a sleeping position the superman (laughs) yeah (laughs) not exactly right not the superman um basically the watch is right in front of my face is what i'm trying Mm -hmm. to say um anyways there's a little green light that is the heart rate monitor and that will shine in the night right so like having little things like that is just annoying to sleep with and it's the same thing for fitbit or anything else um it's just not fun to sleep with so tracking your sleep is interesting as it is i don't know what benefit there'd be except to like show it to doctors and be like hey this is the data Mm. i have on me how can i improve my sleep right but i don't think there's anything i could do um but yeah so the walking competition sarah and i have been posting some youtube videos that's been a lot of fun um i built a computer that was cool yeah. that was stressful yeah. but a really cool experience yeah it's a it's a bit of a beast i think um i was gonna get a graphics card that was gonna be like 300 bucks or 360 mm-hmm. but it was sold out i was like okay well i could go down in price but or I could go up. Or I could go up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went up and I don't know. I, was, I think it was like 580 um, wow. for the graphic. So I'm pretty sure it's a pretty good graphics card. I couldn't tell you what it is. <laughs> Just judging by the price. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. Um, no, I, w- I went and benchmarked it, like c- compared it to other graphics cards. Yeah. And um, it like it was blowing everything out of the water. And every game that I've run is on full graphics. But I haven't actually like really played with it. I just um do you know what uh so again we're losing everybody like category by category they're like okay this is this is uninteresting now there's something called v-sync in minecraft that um matches the frame rate to your uh refresh rate on your monitor did you know okay i didn't know what it did i knew it was an option in a bunch of games I'm pretty sure that's what I did. That's a probably a really dumbed down version of explaining it because I actually don't know fully. But I was like, how am I only getting 60 frames? Like, that makes no sense. I should be getting way more. Um, like, mm. I thought this thing was a beast. And so, like, I'm running Amplified, which is like a, a very intensive version of Minecraft, if the listener doesn't know. Um, and I'm like, yeah, only 60 frames. That's nuts. Like, I, I expected more. And then I turn VSync off, and it just shoots straight up to, like, 350 through the nether, amplified, oh, wow. lava rendering. Um, yeah, so I'm like, okay, yeah, this makes a lot more sense. It's definitely beastly. So, huh. 
That's awesome. Yeah, uh, and one of the reasons I did it is I'm con- I'm I'm low key considering streaming again. Um, but, Bring it back. Yeah, not a, not like Minecraft gaming videos, but I would definitely consider streaming just like talking to people while playing games. I think that sounds like fun. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Like I, I'm busy with school. I don't know when I'd actually incorporate it into my uh, my day. Like it'd have to be in the evening. But most of my evenings are doing school, so we'll see if I actually do it. But that was kind of one mm-hmm. of the thoughts behind getting it. The other thought was we just didn't have a computer, so we should get one. So I did that. But nice. yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, but yeah, I want to hear about skip the dishes. What are your thoughts on it? Because um, I'm fascinated by this because I read an article that says that if you work for Uber or you work for Skip the Dishes, you're actually, and I haven't told you this yet, you're actually fairly likely to either lose money or only earn up to minimum wage on average. So I'm curious as to your experience and what you think about that, because that was an article I read a couple months ago, actually, um, just as I was looking into it for myself. Yeah, I think it's probably pretty location dependent. How many shifts in? three Mm. so a a long large body of knowledge that i'm bringing to the table here (laughs) (laughs) um no only a couple days but i do think it's probably pretty uh location dependent Mm. because i watched a youtube video when i first started called things i wish i knew when i started skip the dishes (laughs) (laughs) i watched this after i started don't Mm. worry um but he was saying like he showed his shifts and he's like, oh, I got a shift today and my next one is in a week's time. Mm. Whereas I'm doing six a week. Wow. Oh. This, this first week has been six shifts. And then next week I got scheduled for another six. So he was unable to get more shifts. Yeah. So he only worked about four hours a week. Mm. Um, okay. So I think it's probably like, it depends how many couriers that city has or that region has. Like, I'm not sure what it would be like if you did it in Vancouver, they may have a lot of of different couriers more than the demand. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. I guess the other thing would be how many, like how good for gas your car is um, and how long you have to wait. Mm -hmm. So in the three days that I've worked, They've been one three-hour shift, two four-hour shifts. Hmm. And I've made $147. Okay, so almost $50 per shift. Yeah, it's about $50 per shift. And used about a quarter of a tank for my blue car, which fill up is like $32. And only a quarter of the tank. And are you paying insurance on that car or your parents? I'm paying for the commercial insurance. Oh, you have to have commercial insurance on top of it. I don't know. Skip the dishes, never asked. Um, And I sent in the insurance we had before. Mm. Just like, oh, here it is. And then my mom, who works at an SGI license issuer, (laughs) came home and said, oh, you need commercial insurance. Classic. (laughs) So we had to do that. Oh. how, so how I don't much, know. I don't know if you that? actually need it. I'm not sure yet. I have to talk to my parents because mm. they fronted the bill and then I'll have to pay them back. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's that's intriguing to me. Um, 
because when I, I was talking with a Uber driver the other month and asking him about it and you need a special license to drive Uber because it's like, yeah, commercial and mm -hmm. like it, you're taking care of other people's lives professionally, right? Yeah. yeah. Which I, I was surprised by. And Vancouver is actually backed up like people can't get it for months because everybody wants it. So even if I wanted to drive for Uber, I probably couldn't drive for Uber for another five months from now because I'd need to go for that license. Oh, I see. Skip the dishes though. doesn't have that. And I imagine. Yeah. Cause you're only similar. driving people's food and mm -hmm. endangering your own life. So they don't care too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think I would much prefer skip over Uber mm. and it's really nice. Like, I don't know when I'm saying make it's $50 per shift that may stop once the pandemic is kind of over. Oh yeah. Because now people are ordering a lot more from skip the dishes. It, that might drop down to like 20 bucks mm -hmm. during normal hours. So I don't, I'm not sure for this time period, it seems like a pretty good gig. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it, that might change. Because I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm an idiot. I should have been doing this all through my university career. <laughs> oh, like it yeah. would be perfect to do during school. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think it would be as profitable then mm -hmm. as it is now. Yeah. And it's also kind of like weighing it between, like, I don't know how intensive your engineering degree has been. I imagine that kind of thing is pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, but like, is it worth it to get 50 bucks every other evening or is it better to spend that time studying? And I don't know how much mm. you spent studying, yeah. but I mean, it is better to spend the time studying, but mm. it's unlikely that I would have. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And it's also kind of like weighing. So I, I, I've become kind of a firm believer that each person has only so much kind of mental uh capacity and energy throughout their day uh i've i've slowly become more and more of a believer in this so like if you are starting your day by picking out your outfit you're using up some of that mental energy um mm. and i know i've heard from some people that they pick out um their outfit it's the last thing they do in the day for the next day um yeah <laughs> it's the last thing i do for the day that i just went through um <laughs> <laughs> yeah doesn't that still take the energy though uh it does but you're using it at the end of the day um instead of starting your day with a quote-unquote stressful decision of what do i wear today um mm. i think that's a little too far definitely like how hard is it to pick out an outfit but i have found mornings a lot easier um when i'm not thinking through what i'll wear because uh, I care about clothes maybe a little too much. So I'm trying to think of like, what have I worn recently? What have people maybe not seen? Because you don't want to be the guy that always wears, like I used to be the the kid that had one hoodie or bunny hug. Um, and I was the only, like it was the only thing I'd ever wear. Yeah, and I became yeah, known yeah. as that kid that wore that bunny hug, right? Which See, is, I think that's the problem is what you want to do Here's what I learned from, what's his name? Matt Diavella. Oh, my boy. Matt Diavella, yeah. Yeah, the minimalist yeah. who only wears gray shirts <laughs> and only wears the same type of jeans. Yeah. So every morning, 
he has no decisions to make at all about what clothes he wears. Yeah. It's just finding the clean ones, <laughs> you know, not, not putting on the old ones. Yeah. I, uh, I actually seriously considered doing that. I, so I love Matt Diavala. Really like him. Um, Sarah does not like him at all. She finds him oh, really? incredibly annoying. Um, oh, I like it. Yeah. Anytime I'm playing a video, she's like, not that guy. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I do it. So I make sure to play the videos around her just to bother her. Oh, uh, um, yes, yeah. But anyways, yeah, I, I really like the idea. Uh, there's a guy at the office, and he actually only ever wears black and white and maybe gray. Like, and he's mm-hmm. no, his mm-hmm. Instagram, every photo he posts is just black and white. And so he never really has to care too much about clothes. Now he's got different black and white stuff, but it's literally only black and white. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, so I really like that. And I, I love the idea of owning 12 of the same shirt and just cycling through it. But Sarah didn't like that idea. She's like, she's like, I want to see you in different stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, uh, yeah, then yeah. she'll buy you stuff and then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it um, is it is a cool idea. Uh, but yeah, so what, uh, what my point was going to be with that, though, is if you were studying and then going to work at Skip the Dishes, even if you weren't going to naturally use that time for studying, I wonder if it would have hurt your actual studying time because you needed a break, you know, because you went maybe. from school to work to and then uh, a lot less play because that's what I found. So Fridays, um, which is today that we're recording this, is my Sabbath. So like I don't do any work on Friday. I still do stuff like, um, I don't know, like editing a YouTube video or whatever because that's fun. But like school and work, I do not do on Fridays. I try not to check my emails, nothing. And when it's Thursday evening, I find that I can hardly focus on school because I've been doing it all week and my brain is just mush. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, w- I wonder if you would have found a similar experience if you actually did do Skip the Dishes throughout an ed- uh, an engineering degree. See, okay. In my experience, it kind of is the opposite. <clears throat> I know what you mean by making decisions. Mm. I guess it depends what type of energy exertion you're using. Mm-hmm. I find though that if like if I'm not using my energy the next day I just won't have as much. Like it doesn't recharge the full batteries. Like oh you actually don't need that much energy to get through a day. Look at yesterday. So here you get half of what you got the day before. <laughs> Unless I'm like using my energy and filling up my days with activities, mm-hmm. I find that my energy tanks. Do you remember um, the office episode where they're talking about the budget and they need to spend the last little bit? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> My body says, hey, it actually only costs, you know, 10 kilojoules of energy for you to get through the day. So unless I spend my extra kilojoule, I don't get it the next day. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with that. Like if you're just kind of sinking into this a poor choice of words, but laziness, I don't think you're going to replenish throughout the day. Like you have to constantly be using your energy. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. When I when I go through lazy periods, they can just, you know, snowball. Mm-hmm. Because then I have less and less energy to do less and less. And usually it only takes like I force myself to do one thing that really exerts me and then i'm like okay you know what that's not actually that bad we'll get back into the swing of things but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what if it would have helped or hindered mm. going through university. I mean, it probably would have taken off less stress just making some money. So it's not like, oh, I go through periods where I have no income and then hopefully get a good job that makes me a lot of money. It would kind of even that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It, yeah. It probably would have been good to work. And I suppose, well, you're off for two semesters now, right? Yes. So are you doing, is the idea to do co-op during these two semesters if things get yeah. back to some kind of normalcy? I mean, the co-op term that I need is four months. Um, so I'm hoping that I'll just do it in the fall, like mm. normal, mm. a fall to winter one. You, and then you, sorry, you said you need it. Do you actually need it to graduate? Well, I don't need it to graduate, but I need it to graduate with co-op. Oh, I see. So if I do it, then on my degree, it says like, and part of the co-op program, which mm. would be better. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that that was a thing. I thought it was just an option for engineer students to get paid. I didn't realize it would actually go on your kind of degree or profile or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, if I don't actually complete it, complete it, that's not the end of the world because I still have the experience from those jobs that goes on the resume. And so that wouldn't be the end of the world, Mm. but it'd be nice to, to complete I'm actually kind of curious as to, so like with COVID-19, um, a lot of schools and just businesses and everything, uh, they're readjusting what they do, right? So like my little brother, he was just told that he graduated high school and that was it. And that's yeah. nuts. Um, no finals, no nothing. And then like some places are pausing rent. I wonder if universities would say that you finished with co-op because you can't actually do your last one, but you showed a pattern mm. of doing it all the way through at your degree. You know, I wonder if there'd be grace in that. I doubt it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I haven't seen, like there's been some meeting you halfway with the universities, but it wasn't like, at least in my university, I can't speak across the country, mm. but it wasn't as much. It was like up to the profs how much mm-hmm. they wanted to have grace for stuff. So one of my profs said all the assignments and quizzes that we had planned for the rest of the semester, mm. that is, you get a hundred percent on those. Okay. Okay. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> um, he's like assumed a hundred percent, but then other profs kind of just pretended like nothing happened, wrote the final, like nothing happened. Like there was nothing extra supplemental anything like that so i don't know i don't think that the university as a whole would say yeah we'll say you worked another four months even though you didn't Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe yeah i'm uh i'm trying to convince my school to just give me my masters of divinity after one yeah yeah instead (laughs) of doing the full three because i'm like hey listen covid19 like it's doing some things maybe we should just give me my my grad degree (laughs) (laughs) just write a paper on that one yeah (laughs) um no i'm i what would be awesome is if i didn't well i don't know i don't really want to do the massive project like your final engineering project Mm. it's always a group project and it's very stressful it's kind of like the thesis for other degrees Mm -hmm. that you do um, but I'm not sure how that's going to go. Cause that should start in the fall. 
as a group project. Maybe by then everything will be do you more get or less. Back do you normal. get assigned a group or do you get a pick? Uh, you get to pick. Oh, okay. Do you know who you'd already pick or you're just kind of just. No, I don't know. Going to pick randoms. Yeah, because it's not. Um... Yeah, it's probably just going to be randoms. Hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting because I I I, uh, I know well we both know one person that actually did it um, at least uh, mm -hmm. and yeah I I know how intensive it can be at least from his side of it so yeah it's a lot of work I mean it would it's probably a pretty good experience to do mm -hmm. but it is a lot of work yeah um, okay so I've been Sarah and I have been loving uh, I I don't know if you know who Seth Myers is. Mm hmm. Yeah, the talk show host, and he's been doing these uh, things called A Closer Look. And really, it's where he uh, bashes Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> so political beliefs aside, it's just hilarious. And mm -hmm. he like he picks out a bunch of things, not just Donald Trump, but like a lot of other just um, political people that are, are saying ridiculous things. And I'm kind of curious as to whether you've been monitoring much of like the new stuff how people have been responding uh i think one thing that's really funny is um so <laughs> there is this lady she was on the news and she's talking to uh like all the bunch of news people <laughs> she's criticizing how uh the states has been responding to covid19 and she's like come on people like this isn't COVID one, it's COVID-19. So we obviously have gone through this before. <laughs> <laughs> and now if you don't know, uh, like it's not named COVID-19 because it's the 19th COVID. It's named COVID-19 because it was discovered in 2019. And so like this person that is supposed to be an authority on like what is going on in the world, mm is just has no idea what's going on. And there was another guy when we were listening last night, he's talking about face masks and how he doesn't want to wear one. And he yells out, I don't want to be wearing a face mask in the shower. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, then don't. Oh like nobody's oh, telling funny. you that you have to wear one in the yeah. shower. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you've seen funny things. I don't know if you've kind of been monitoring how people have been responding. Um, I've seen some funny things. I've seen some other frustrating things <laughs> yeah and i don't know i've been trying to take a step back from just um not social media but like social media with people i don't know and mm. have no idea like what their background is or who they actually are and just see their random comment mm -hmm. that i feel like is just it's too much i can't i can't think through everybody as an individual and my brain just lumps them all together as the internet person like <laughs> one representative behind every comment and yeah i don't know there's just too much too much frustration that i can't i'm not i can't change it you're not going to change anybody's mind mm -hmm. you're just there's no point in exposing yourself to it mm -hmm. but i have seen a lot of funny things as well yeah, it's it's been pretty great kind of watching stuff. I mean, I know people are stressed, but Sarah and I have been trying to find the humor in everything um, mm -hmm. that we can. And it, like, it's interesting when they talk about the reopening of the country and all the memes that are coming out of it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's been kind of a fascinating time. <laughs> I saw a Reddit post and people 
the question it was on ask reddit the question was what phrase are you sick of hearing and people were like in these unprecedented times or <laughs> we're all in this together yeah, yeah yeah it's like yeah i agree i'm sick of that like <laughs> this is ridiculous all these all these uh businesses putting out commercials that are like we're we're going through this together and make sure you send us your money so you can buy pizza from us because we're all in this together yeah right yeah. it's like you don't care you just Support want local businesses <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah it's been it's been kind of hilarious um that's true and it's been it's it's interesting watching how people respond because like i know some people um i know saskatchewan has like very like not a lot of cases bc is definitely different um mm -hmm. but some people are like yeah we got to wear masks and then others are like let's reopen the country got to worry about the economy and there's definitely two sides to the conversation um that i'm definitely not a reliable source of truth when it comes to like <laughs> talking about it but yeah i don't know if there's any takeaways that you have from it or things that you have found interesting yeah i don't know like i hope because this pandemic isn't i don't think this pandemic is as bad as well one as it really could have been mm. if the death rate was a lot higher or you know stuff like that like in regina right now we have zero active cases mm. it's not bad it's a smaller city in the prairies which is a smaller province and like <laughs> population wise we don't have a lot of people so there's not a lot of risk but i think people here are getting kind of frustrated like why are we acting as if there's a pandemic ravaging through our city when mm -hmm. there isn't um and i can see that but i think if there was another pandemic in like let's say two years from now people aren't going to hesitate to put on travel restrictions and they're not going to hesitate to do any of those things to avoid having to shut down the economy mm -hmm. um yeah, I'm not sure. I was hoping at the beginning, uh, I was listening to um, a podcast of a guy talking about different epistemologies. Epistemology is just like, how do you know what you know? Mm -hmm. or how do you make up a structure of beliefs? And how do you do that? And he said, a lot of people are getting confronted with the fact that their alternate epistemology that wasn't kind of the mainstream isn't like didn't fit with this like kind of as an example let's say you were listening to donald trump at the beginning and listening to some other more conspiracy theorists about how this is a hoax and it's barely an event and people are making an uh, issue out of it and then two weeks later it's in your country and it's affecting people and the country shut down and you're like oh maybe my way that I test information and receive information is faulty. Mm -hmm. I thought that that might have changed at the beginning, but then seeing other people like talking about more out there conspiracy theories about how it started or like the 5G towers and somebody going <laughs> with a gun to a 5G tower. I'm like, no, I think there are like, it didn't, it didn't have the effect that I was hoping it would have. Mm -hmm. They kind of bring everybody to a common agreed sense. Okay, here's some, you know, we're going to listen to the World Health Organization. 
Mm-hmm. That seems like a, a like probably one of the top authorities or trusted in governments and stuff like that. But I don't see that happening, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, it's I I thought um so when this first happened, uh I remember not thinking it was a big deal. And then like it quickly became a bigger mm-hmm. deal. And I think um what has really opened my eyes like i'm definitely viewing things differently which i didn't actually kind of expect i thought i would kind of be stay who i am um i'm maybe gaining a little more empathy i know that that's something i've lacked in my life uh but like we have been consistent like across the board of kind of the idea well like there's only like eighty thousand deaths across like america or something right and yeah and it doesn't bother a lot of people and maybe I'm speaking too broadly, uh, but it doesn't seem to bother a lot of people that those are 80 deaths that could have been avoided. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead Mm -hmm. we're like, well, it's like, it's just the seniors and the people that have disabilities or whatever, like medical. Yeah. Uh, It's like, that's terrible. Right. It's like, it's, it's so terrible to think of someone's life and be like, well, it's not a lot of deaths. It's like, if it's any amount of debt that can be avoided, we should avoid it. And I think it's kind of opened my eyes to how disconnected we are as, um, as this is a society, we live in a society, (laughs) Uh, but right. Like as a civilization, how disconnected we are truly from each other. Like we're able to walk by each other without feeling a need for human interaction just because that's who we are. We're kind of consumers. We don't think much about each other uh, nearly as much as they would have way back in the day. And when somebody dies, we're like, man, that's like, let's capture it on video instead of um, like caring, you know? And again, I'm probably speaking too broadly and I'm not saying that I was like, that far gone but there's definitely like i was toying with the idea of like yeah that's not a lot of deaths but at the same time it's like if it can be avoided we should do everything to avoid it and the fact that we're worried more about the economy sometimes than people's lives is a big deal i think um and kind of eye-opening to like how we view money versus how we view human life now i know that if the economy plummets also people die right like because of poverty and things like that so I know that caring about the economy is also important, but it's just been a fascinating balance how there have been some people that are like, we have to reopen to protect the economy and other people that have been like, no, we have to protect human life no matter the economy. Yeah, it is a good, like, yeah, for me, it's like, who does the economy serve? People. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying the economy is more important than people, it's kind of a... Um, a mix of priorities mm-hmm. at least the economy should serve people yeah i i see what you mean i haven't really thought through i don't know i'm confused about how how the economy works i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems way more complicated because all of our necessities and vitals nothing on this production end, nothing on the supply end should be affected that much it's mm-hmm. not like COVID is infecting the food source and so it's going to cause a famine. It's just like a lot of the the systems that we had in place aren't able to work. And I think it's in a spot, okay, do we try to create new systems like um, 
a universal basic income so that, you know, everybody can have their needs met? Mm. Or do you just wait for this to be over and go back to the old systems? Yeah. Because there's so much in our economy that is luxury items that we don't need. That's not really that important, but is nice to have. And so I don't know, like to sacrifice human lives to save that part of our economy. I don't know. That doesn't seem right to me, but also I know that it's producers of that luxury item who lose their living. And then, you know, like it's mm -hmm. very complicated. Yeah. It is interesting how like stock markets are taking a huge hit and yeah, man, it's been, it's been fascinating stuff. It's been interesting to watch Bernie Sanders, um, kind of talk through it all and again political beliefs aside um just like what he's said about these big corporations having all this money and how it's really like the middle class workers that are the ones that help the economy so much right like mm -hmm. and who are the people that we really need it's the nurses it's the teachers it's the uh the food workers right like these are the people that are actually yeah. um necessary to the world uh and should be paid more but instead we pay the minimum wage and all this other financial stuff that people talk about i don't know it's been it's been fascinating yeah. to me to watch um all of this now i think we've probably unless there's something that you else you want to say about covid um uh just one thing sure um i yeah because i used to be on like the like for sports, I used to think sports was the biggest waste of resources, like paying players millions of dollars. Mm. It's like you're not helping. Like how, how are you getting paid more than even someone like a teacher who is like, you know, creating the next part of our youth? Like why? How is that possible? But then my friend says, well, it's not about like their value as a person. It's how much people are willing to pay. You can't change sports and be like, okay top players can't make this amount of money because they can bring in that amount of money because mm -hmm. people will buy the tickets. People will buy the merchandise. People will pay for it. So it's not as much about like how much demand there is. It's just how much people are willing to pay. Mm -hmm. So it's those things that are tough. It's like, yeah, that, you know, the football players in Europe or the, um, that's soccer but <laughs> you know, like the people who are paid millions and millions of dollars per year, they don't really have to help us out. It's sort of the same in the entertainment district or entertainment like uh, industry mm -hmm. millions and millions of dollars. Some of the highest paying and richest people in the world. They're not the people who are going to help during this time. It will be the people who are making, yeah. I mean, doctors make a lot, but there are still like grocery store workers. Those are the ones who make sure we get our necessities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I wish that we would pay these people more for sure. Um, and I wish that there were uh, ways that that would happen. But it just kind of seems out of our hands, you know? Yeah. And that's where it's like, well, we got to fight the system and we got to get political. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I don't know how much as Christians we need to get involved in that. Uh, I'm all for standing up for what's right. But like, it's also kind of living a little differently. Um, but okay, there's, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. Because we're probably drawing to a close here. 
but uh, churches. Okay. So it's, I'm in church life quite a bit working uh, for a church and um, I've really been thinking a lot these last like six months, to be honest, about what the future of church might look like. And um, now the church that I'm at, what they do is they do movie theaters where everything is video. So the worship is video, the preaching is video, and that way they can start churches faster, um, eventually across Canada and not have to worry about um, a bunch of the things that typically comes with starting up a church, like finding a a preacher that can preach and finding a worship team that's all uh, ready to go. And uh, right. So. I've been contemplating this a lot and been telling Sarah that I think eventually, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, and I'm I'm not saying, well, first off, I know that what I'm saying is definitely not right and maybe wrong. And I'm also saying that there's a good chance that this won't happen. But like, I like to theorize what um, the world will look mm-hmm. like 25 years from now. So one kind of example is I think malls will close. I think people will switch to online shopping. I think there'll be ways to measure yourself very easily with our phones where you can just kind of scan yourself. They'll take your measurements and you buy a shirt and it'll be fitted to you. Um, I think like we'll advance in technology in that sense. So I think the need for malls um, will close. Um, And I think one thing that may happen is with the future of churches and all these pastors, uh, you got guys like Stephen Furtick, Judah Smith, Carl Lentz, Levi Lesko. You have, uh, right, you have all these, Francis Chan, um, Louis Giglio, all these guys that have a massive reach. And those are, that's just in North America. Um, so what I've heard within the church world is you're not, like if you're trying to get people to come to your church, you're not trying to out preach the guy down the street now you're trying to out preach the guy online right because why right. why would somebody come to your local church when they can hear um a guy that's a way better speaker than you and that's just reality is they're a better speaker than you so i wonder if churches will be moving to more of a uh kind of similar model like meeting in movie theaters and having one speaker and my example of this in scripture would be like how the apostles were laid out. So you have Paul, you have Peter, right? You have James writing these letters to churches. So these guys were kind of like, um, if you want to think of it as a pyramid, these guys were at the top kind of teaching. But then you have uh, lower down, you have guys like Timothy that were running the church in Ephesus, but he would receive teaching from Paul. Um, and now Timothy was the pastor on the ground, shepherding and taking care of people. But you basically had Paul being the one that was sending his teaching to them. Now, I know Timothy would actually do teaching, but I wonder if churches will move to a model where there's like 20 different people that we actually listen to on a global scale while having pastors that aren't preaching, but they're just shepherding and taking care of the congregation in person. I don't know what you think about that, but... I've been thinking about this for six months and Judah Smith was just at a conference, um, a digital conference where he spoke and he predicted or he's predicting that churches will move to basically what I've been talking to Sarah about for months now, saying that he foresees churches of a million, five million, ten million people attending via like video and stuff while still having things like community groups and whatnot. I don't know if that's fascinating to you at all, but it 
I, I can't get it out of my head. I find it incredibly interesting. <laughs> but yeah. what do you think? I'd be curious to hear some pushback or. Well, okay. Here's what I think. Um, <laughs> now, back in the 1700s, <laughs> um, but kind of, I think there is, there has been a switch of roles in Protestant churches that did start with the Puritans because they were very good preachers mm. that being a pastor meant being a preacher mm -hmm. and being able to communicate was like your top skill and you have um jonathan edwards and like some of those old protestant preachers yeah who that's what they focused on then you had because in the catholic church and in a lot of the in a lot of the churches that were still in the protestant reformation but didn't move as far away from the catholic church as some of the other denominations did mm -hmm. um it's mostly about like if you go to a catholic mass it's a reenactment of the last supper that's basically what you're there for you're there for the ritual to do the lord's table that's the center of the piece sure the priest will give like a 10 minute talk about some aspect of scripture but that's not why you're there. You're not there for the sermon. Mm -hmm. Where I think in Protestant churches, you're mostly just go to for the sermon. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I think people who are just looking for good preaching, yeah, but your local church down the street probably isn't going to be like top quality in the world. Mm -hmm. And now we have access to the best preachers in the world. So yeah, I think you will find people go towards preaching i would also hope though or push back and say the church is more than just preaching so yeah you may be able to find really good teaching somewhere but that's not going to fill the other roles that the church is supposed to fill so yeah to build off of that uh the church that i'm at um what they do is they have like a campus pastor and all his like work hours in the week go to building community within that location he's not preparing a sermon so i'm not predicting that we only do preaching i'm predicting something like um we have 20 teachers that we listen to and 20 is just an arbitrary number um but we have 20 you mean like worldwide or for each mega church man i'm wondering worldwide I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm just speculating. Um, obviously, like, the English preacher won't be preaching in China to people that only speak Chinese. Um, but you would have, like, a mega church kind of thing in China. I, like, again, I'm just spitballing uh, thoughts. I'm not saying any of these are right. But See, I think, you'd, I think you could maybe could manage that until... I, I hate to bring up our boy um, Mark Driscoll. <laughs> but imagine if he was kind of like one mm -hmm. of those 20 mm -hmm. devastating impacts even that his kind of uh, departure from circles or whatever you want to call it moral failings the impact that had on the christian circles that you and i were in was fairly large mm -hmm. and that was one church in seattle 
Yeah, I've I thought- think like if if you expand, I don't think I don't think pastors should have that type of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely agree, and I have thought through that as well, and I don't have a good answer to it. And I'm not necessarily saying that this is what churches should go to. I just wonder if it's what will happen because like small churches are closing their doors left and right, uh, specifically across Canada. Um, and yeah, I just, I find it that we're in a really interesting time with technology that like there might be a great shift, great as in like massive, um, shift in how we do church, but you're right. Like a moral failing for a guy that's pastoring 5 million people or whatever, that would be catastrophic. Um, however, I know, like I've read some books on this stuff and they, they talk about how there should be like four or five main teachers at a church that they're cycling through continually so that if a moral failing happens or anything like that, um, it doesn't hit the church as hard. And they gave an example of one church that didn't have a moral failing, but this guy was getting burnt out. And so he had to step away for like six months and like the church noticed, obviously, but the church wasn't hurt. Like they didn't go down in attendance at all uh, because they had, they were used to these three other teachers that were con- like constantly teaching, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and yeah, yeah it, it is kind of an intriguing idea, I think. And I, I don't have a lot more to say about it, but I've, I've just been speculating a lot about the future of church and what that might look like. I mean, in North America, people are fighting an uphill battle because for the past, I don't know, 50 years, consistently people in Canada have, uh, Canada especially, have become less and less religious. Mm-hmm. And less and less likely to attend a church, less and less. I'm not sure if the answer to that is to make church easier Mm. so that people are more likely to log into a stream i've heard like my parents church and some other ones that they're having more views during the pandemic than they would attendees on a normal sunday Mm -hmm. um so i don't know if that's just ease of access or people who don't want to wake up because i've always been on the team like let's make church as accessible to someone who who doesn't come from a church background as possible mm-hmm. um whether like you know paul saying i become all things to all people i think there's little work or little thought done in your average church about what is their culture look like and what how are we going to meet people there's the other side which says how are we going to look different from the world? I think those two are opposed, you know, like if your church is like, well, we want to look as different as possible from the world. You're not going to be very accessible. Yeah. I, um, I think a church's focus needs to be community. Like obviously sharing the gospel, but offering Christian community, like as the body of believers. Yeah. And, but if you offer Christian community, how does somebody who's not a Christian get into that community? Um, by teaching people that it's not supposed to be just Christians that are part of it. Like everybody's welcome, but it's rooted in Christianity. Like, are you, are you saying like, how do people discover it or how do people get welcomed in? Cause that's just well, a, why would, why would they go? 
why would they join a community? Uh, I like, think... why would I join um, a spin class if I don't do spin? <laughs> right, right. Or CrossFit. Uh, I'd join a CrossFit Facebook group. But I actually just like, I don't do CrossFit, but I like, I like the community of CrossFit. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that would work. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I mean, for, it'd be like evangelism, right? So you have your friend that works with, you have a Christian person that works with a non-Christian person. And as they talk, they eventually, um, get invited into that community, um, in the same way that I talk to a guy that's into fitness and he says, Hey, why don't you come to the gym with me and we can work out together? And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, right. Like, I think it has to happen like that. And it was actually a CrossFit ploy. He just wanted you to join. <laughs> <laughs> I swear the CrossFit people are better at evangelizing than Christians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love, like, there's a lot of memes. How do you know somebody does CrossFit? because they'll mention it within the first five minutes of you meeting them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a good question. I think I'm it's not something... sure. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think it's something Christians should start considering is, um, especially if you want your church to continue because like my church has, uh, I don't know, six, to about 6,000 people on the average Sunday in person but now I think we're reaching like 30,000 people online and we have community groups starting across Canada. We have one in Europe now. Um, like they're just starting everywhere. We've started them globally. And just if that trend continues, like, I don't know if they would consider sending like a pastor down to Europe to start a location there or what, but like, it's just like, okay, people have a global reach now that we didn't have before. And online church is nothing new, but now that everybody's doing it, I imagine some people will phase off of attending some of theirs and tune in without, I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's hard to tell if that's real growth of Christianity mm -hmm. or that's just consolidating all the Christians to in like larger groups. Oh, totally. Like my father-in-law, he attends, uh, your parents church and then he also tunes into my church mm -hmm. he does yeah. your their service first and then he does mine um or yeah so uh like you also have christians double dipping because they want to go to their church but they also want to get other teaching so yeah it is interesting it, like and i know that a lot of the small town churches are closing up shop or really really struggling mm-hmm um yeah i don't know it's interesting yeah i'm just more thinking that we should get back to maybe more of uh pastors take care of people pastors don't just prepare a sermon for 25 hours a week because like a lot of yeah. guys that's what right they'll work 20 hours a week on their sermon if not more um and have very little time for people and it'd be nicer if these pastors had time for people and we gave the teaching over to others you know um, yeah. The problem is, is a lot of guys like to be on stage and preach instead of taking care of people. So, yeah. Can you also imagine the amount of theological arguments and like, like someone like Judas Smith has, you know, Judas Smith exposed videos on <laughs> oh, yeah. YouTube from people and at, at the level of influence that he's at now. 
as that influence grows, I just feel like the amount of infighting, like it become more political, not political, but same type of conversations, same mm-hmm. type of drawing lines and these sides and vitriolic. Yeah. I think if Christians aren't focused on, um, like spreading the gospel, they will instead turn in and fight each other, which is sad. Yeah. So, yeah, I imagine like if we had Christians that weren't focused on evangelizing, they'd be like, let's let's make an exposed video. That seems like the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially if the person who you think is actually like in league with the Antichrist gets 20 million views every Sunday. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, this is much more important than me talking to my neighbor or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, it's nothing new. Christian infighting has been, well, goes back to James and Paul, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right to the start. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've been we've been chatting for over an hour. Um, any any last thoughts that you want to say before we end it off? Mm. No, I don't think so. Just you know, stay safe, stay healthy. Listen mm-hmm. to the, the government guidelines as we reopen. Mm. Yeah. That's my advice. I, I echo. I want to just echo that echo. Um. <laughs> I just feel that this echo is like, I just want to echo it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, tune in next time for when we talk about Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, see ya.